Welcome back to King Wall's Court, episode 39, Inbound. Woo! I have the originator of the Woo here with me tonight, and it's an amazing pleasure to uh, have Venus DeVilo, the voice of horror, with me tonight on King Wall's Court. How are you? I was going to say my man. How are you, my man? My man, well, yeah. dude, bro, bro, I'm just good. I'm just after been like, you know, yeah. lifting some weights and crushing some cans and nailing some chicks. Yeah, <laughs> no, uh, I, I'm really glad to be here. It's uh, been a long time coming, so thanks so yeah. much for uh, having me on. I'm a big fan, so this is ah, great. Thank you. It's, I mean, great. I never heard of you, and I don't mean that in a, in a, a bad way. As you said, you are, I think you are Dublin's best kept secret. And I'm yeah. ho- I'm ho- I'm hoping I don't explode you tonight, but like, you know, give people a little insight into who Venus really Boom. is. Yeah, I mean, we see how it goes, you know. Um, excuse me. So yeah, so you have an awful lot of uh, strings to your bow, don't you really? And Honey. yeah, but what I'd like to talk about first of all is your music career. Uh, because I can't believe did I see you have like 16 releases or 17 releases or something like that yeah Jesus yeah. I, it's, yeah. un, it's unusual for me not to hear of someone with that many releases I'll at least hear of one of them but you're obviously doing a really good job of uh, keeping under the radar is that by choice it's a weird combination of yes and no um, so well, look, I'll bring you back to um, I suppose where it began yeah. Uh, basically, I wanted to be a musician since I was uh, six, seven, eight, specifically eight years old when uh, Britney Spears just hit me maybe one more time, hit the scenes and changed pop culture forever. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I want I wanted to be a musician since, since then. And since I was um, 11, 12, 13, finally at the age of 13, managed to bully my mother into um, buying me an acoustic guitar. I wanted to be Avril Lavigne, you know, all that. Um, yeah. I was I've been writing since I was like old enough like my first ever song I wrote when I was five and it was called Ghost Town and it was about like this uh people who go to this town it's filled with ghosts and vampires I literally have it like framed in my room I'll show you did, another did, time did you ever record it actually no because I was five so and it was the yeah, no, so you're later on like when you're a five-year-old no, no I, I am gonna go back and, and dig that out it, it, it's it's over there in a pile awesome that's it like you know that's great to have that like and uh, like that's just like me um we recorded uh, a song that we had written 10 years prior to recording it, if you get me oh yes yeah, and it was yeah. uh, it was a really cool feeling to be able to finally kind of hear it on on tape say you know yeah yeah so yeah so go on anyway <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so um yeah so basically since i was 13 years old i have actively been pursuing a career in the music industry just with the writing and recording on my little box tape recorder albums and demos and trying to like 13 year old me sending out really shitty shitty shit demos out leaving them in record shops and music shops and when i'd go to gigs you know i'd be there like hey listen to me demo listen to me demo like oh god hustle <laughs> Nobody can hustle like Venus Vilo. So then um, when I first heard about the uh, Ballyfermot College of Further Education's Rock School, that was the only college mm. I was going to go to. That was the only course I was going to do. All my teachers, like I'd give, like when I was in fifth and sixth year, I'd give them like harsh attacks and conniptions because they were like, can you please just pick a career that we can put on the CAO? And I'm like, no, Rockstar. <laughs> I will accept no uh, substitute. So it's it's been that. And then I went and I studied the two years there at um 
the BCFE Rock School, and I, I thoroughly recommended it. It was phenomenal. Um, it was a really important kind of um, period for me because I was really bad. Like the passion and the drive and the creativity was there, but it's just channeling that and honing that and yeah. kind of perfecting your craft and learning to play guitar standing up and not just <laughs> sitting down on your bed. That was a real that was a real make or break moment. My first time standing up playing guitar. Um, and I I'd, and I'd, I'd kind of done a lot when I was a kid, like I entered a lot of like really cheesy kind of talent shows and stuff and you know kind of singing in supermarkets and shopping centers and stuff like that but like i i, I it wasn't me because i've been like a spooky bitch since i was born like my <laughs> earliest memory is me like throwing a tantrum when i'm like two or three years old in my pram because i went to see santa and i was like fucking the like reindeer selection box back out of the pram going i want the spooky mask i want the spooky mask so there's always been like the love of music and then the love of horror and that kind of culminated is culminated even a word well it is culminated yeah yeah culminated in into kind of venus de Vilo, and i'd kind of always known who i wanted to be and who i was kind of very much influenced by and i always kind of took great in, inspiration from the bands that i listened to but i mm -hmm. always wanted to kind of write music that i'd want to listen to myself and i found that with women in metal i i personally wasn't satisfied with what I was seeing, like, don't get me wrong, a lot of respect for women in metal, but just for my personal self, there was yeah. something I felt that was missing, just something with a bit more bite, like, literally, because I always felt like songs, even in pop, they all have to be, if you're a woman and you're singing a song, it's going to have to be about love, and you yeah. either have to be going, like, Adele, I'll never find someone like you, you know, really sad, yeah. or you'll have to go, I don't need no man, I'm Beyonce, look at my dance, you know what I mean, but I'm like, <laughs> There's so much in, in love and emotions and, and everything in songwriting. There's all these wonderful, horrible, confusing in between emotions like yeah. anger, betrayal, revenge. It's not just black or white, like I'm heartbroken, I want to die or I, I'm so over you. I don't even need you. This That's what I really tended to gravitate on. And that's why I have a lot of songs about stalking and cannibalism and necrophilia and stuff like that. You know, there's just this whole spectrum of possibilities out there and songs that just I felt weren't being reached by women yeah in, in metal so that's kind of what I wanted to do and um I've been an acoustic horror folk punk rock cabaret noir musician for a long time and I'll be honest that wasn't really my first choice like what I've always wanted to do is kind of what I'm doing with Ash Irie which is the hard driving kind of symphonic metal kind of thing with a band but yeah. with, with um you know with with, with a unique twist but the, but it's just i'm a hard person to work with mm. and what i do is very scary like i'm i'm a strong confident woman with a very strong personality a lot of people like i'm not dissing irish musicians but my personal direct experience is a lot of people are very frightened of that they're threatened by that <laughs> they're like who's this weirdo with an acoustic guitar singing about like burying her boyfriend alive that kind of thing you know so there was a lot of um um yeah i know so there was kind of a lot of turvy and his punctuality and doing things right and doing things on time and just a life i didn't write the meat i didn't meet the right people you know when i was younger it was you know everything was more about the session and the cans oh we'll yeah. have a, like a nine hour jam and not come out of it with, with even a single song so for for me in the state of mind i was in when i was younger because i was so ambitious and so driven i was like no i every i used to eat sleep breathe my music career and venus de Vilo and 
to the detriment of like everything around me and i'm like no yeah. i i am not doing anything unless it's going to further the the career of um venus Tavilo. so that was that's how that's the state of mind i was in when i am um, <clears throat> excuse me when i when i left bali Fermat college rock school in 2011 and i think by the end of first year i was one of the students that they thought they would like never see again gonna drop <laughs> out gonna never return but then by the end of 2011 they were like okay she's gonna be big <laughs> yeah Oh, that's awesome man. it's a great story to hear as well um yeah I, I suppose when it comes to women in metal i mean there is this kind of they have to go one of either one of two ways it's either as you said the la 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 or the yeah which i yeah. personally does nothing for me so yeah. something with a little bit of right. substance to it and something that's kind of outside the box i mean to be outside the box in a in a in, in a metal kind of type thing mm -hmm. is very intriguing to me i think you know yeah and um you know like what you're doing it really intrigues me it really <laughs> fucking intrigues different. me yeah yeah it's it's weird because like when i first left college and had left that kind of bubble like everyone was completely terrified of me in college i'll be honest they hadn't a clue what i was doing because like just the group i was in for my peer group they were all very like jazz and blues and folks a very nice young we Irish lads and so like um even my peer group at college it was lots of you know lots of blues and jazz and folk and you know lots of very nice Irish wee lads and wee lasses mm. and then there was me which was completely terrifying I think for everyone even <laughs> even my teachers and my mentors um like our our songwriting tutor at college um absolute legend Francie Conway like if it, if it wasn't for the fact that one day he happened to see that I had a Marilyn Manson CD with me and he was like play some of that for me on, on the speakers in the classroom yeah and I played him a uh, kaboom kaboom off the um golden age of grotesque album and he was like okay I understand you a bit more now <laughs> so it was kind of weird so that was kind of the environment I was in where like I you know it was a weird it was a hard struggle for me because I had to learn a lot because I, I did not know my craft at all do you know what I mean not not at all but you know you learn yeah. you know you're not nobody's good you have to practice 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 so your fingers bleed yeah and so when I left that it was like okay well where do I fit in because I was too heavy for the acoustic scene and I was too acoustic for the heavy scene so that's <laughs> always kind of been Oh, it's a whole thing. That's always yeah. been my problem. So um, I still did the acoustic scene for about 10 years, seven nights a week. I'd go out gigging at open mic. So play. Li li literally, like literally playing to like one old man in a flat cap playing some of like my most iconic horror folk punk songs. Like literally <laughs> playing Heartless Horseman and Necromance and fucking it's my party. I'll die if I want to. And I've got 99 zombies in a witch ain't one literally to like some old man in a flat cap bar. You know, like, you know what I mean? Like literally that I, that's what I had to do because it's like, um, I remember when we were filming the Ash Irie documentary and the uh, director, Angel Kreuter, was like, the whole point of, of metal is, one of the great things about metal is that it's DIY. Yeah. And I'm like, well, look, if I want to make music, it, it's not going to be easy for me because it because just the genre I fell into. So I was like, I have, I want to do this. So I'm going to bring it. So I busked. I went to open mic nights. I found whatever gigs I could do. I opened up for metal bands. I actually fell into a really weird niche of um, doing um, a lot of horror burlesque and cabaret nights where I would be like, they're like, if we don't have you doing music, we're just a strip club. You need to, <laughs> you, you need, you do know what I mean? Like, so a lot of yeah. that stuff that happened, you know, like, and, um, you know, you, you know, so that that's kind of the genre I went down, but I was able to kind of um, take 
the kind of theatrical things I'd learned from being and dabbling in acting myself and then doing all the other horror burlesque shows and mm. stuff with, with 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 the girls and providing music for that and doing a few bits and pieces with them and performances and stuff i managed to like kind of channel that into how because i'm a showman like i'm a total show off and a completely yeah. attention seeking show off and i don't want to just go la 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 here i am on my guitar do you know what i mean like <laughs> i want to put on a show and if i have to put on a one-man show where i come out in full costume with an acoustic guitar with blood packs and exploding glitter and nails and glass and doing it all myself to two old men in a pub on a Sunday night at like one in the morning, then I will. And I did. And you'll give them the best thing they'll ever see. I will, honest to God, yeah. No, some of my best gigs have been to like four people in the basement of like the bleeding horse. Do yeah. You know what I mean? And it's just it just it just depends on the audience, it depends on the night. And it's like that's one of the beautiful things about music. You could be singing about literally like necrophilia but if you're presenting it in such a way that it's a relatable universal kind of emotion tied to it there will be normies in a bar who will be like yes and singing a catchy line about about necrophilia that's it i've i've always wanted everything i've ever written to have a certain pop sensibility to it like i Mm. know pop is verboten and forbidden and banned when it comes to the world of alternative metal but i don't think there's anything wrong with a well-structured catchy song that good, people yeah. are going to remember and sing. Good pop music. Good pop music will always live forever. It does, and mm-hmm. I I know that's that's made me very unpopular. And I I've even I I've been booed, off. I've been booed out of groups, and I've been booed in classes. I've been in because I, I I I've been to music college twice. Um, I went to BIM another time, and people think and see there's this whole misconception that if if you do music and it's popular that's a bad thing you have to you have mm-hmm. to want to be a rock star but you're not allowed to want it you know what i mean yeah. i've always been very that's kind of where i've kind of fallen down with um with my peers and fellow musicians because i think it might just be an irish thing because everybody's really humble and self-deprecating and you can't want to be famous and i'm like i don't yeah. see anything wrong with wanting to create music that that lasts longer than you because we're only here for like you know the blink of an eye exactly I, you know yeah, like, yeah you, you you want to leave a legacy behind don't you that's you know? it like you know and, and apparently you're not allowed to have that and i'm like well <laughs> no I, I want that you know so that that's that was kind of it so i've kind of found my weird niche for years and kind of gotten to the to the groove and then i went back to uh college uh after about five years of doing it solo on the road went to bim did the one year songwriting course they're actually a really good course really good um much different to bcfe it, it's harder it's more um it's more kind of it's not a fame school but it's definitely more industry orientated right. rather than i felt like i learned like i feel like going to bcfe first was better because it, it taught me how to hone my craft and then it's like the next level with bim but one of the things of bim is i actually realized when i was there that i knew everything the songwriting teachers were teaching us i knew equal to or greater than wow. so i left that year going oh well this is all the stuff and even even some of the teachers like if there was hard criticism or something that they could tell in other people's songs they'd always get me to like be the one to tell them like no, Lisa, <laughs> what did you think of that and i'm like well so it was it was a weird experience like no look you never stop learning there's always something to know my yeah. tracks are by absolutely no mean perfect you know by no means perfect but it, that was it and the whole time that i'm doing all these gigs i'm going to colleges i'm honing my crafts i'm doing workshops and even doing a bit of music teaching myself i've been, I've been recording the whole time um cool. writing and recording they were all no budget like no budget shoestring budget low tech 
uh, albums and singles and EPs, absolutely everything and anything that I could record whenever and wherever I could record it. Um, me and my old uh, songwriting teacher. No, no, he wasn't my songwriting teacher. He was my guitar teacher, my very old guitar teacher from my very first guitar teacher from back in my old days. He actually, uh, for 25 quid a song, he let you like stand in front of his computer and microphone and he'd record the song. No, to be fair to him, uh, Darren was actually really good and he really um, helped me get my... Um, you know, he helped me start my my recording career, such awesome. as it was. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So I've been recording since then, and as you said, I've got like upwards of like, prop. I think it was around twenty albums. Kind of. Well, if you include singles and EPs and stuff, you know, yeah, yeah it was upwards. It was it was prolific. Just absolutely everything and anything that I could record, I did. And have you still got that kind of kind of hunger as well to keep doing that? I don't know. It, it it life is strange life is very strange um i didn't have a great experience when it came to getting signed to a record label um it, no no beef on the record label look it mm. just it was the we we just we just collaborated at the wrong time and nobody benefited from the situation right. and it also came because just it was it was it was just the whole thing it does it wasn't even a whole thing it does it doesn't even matter like they were yeah. they wanted to sign me i wanted to be signed by them but then unfortunately it just it's just one of those things i don't i i didn't know what to do with having a record label and i i not i don't think you really maybe knew what to do with me as an artist <laughs> a lot of that was to do with the fact that i had stopped creating music at that point like for for mental health reasons i had mm -hmm. stopped writing and it's still hard to get back into writing even now like four years on yeah it's it's a it's a weird one it's it's hard because like you, you can't kind of um do what i was doing for like 10 years and not get burnt out or or have your confidence kind of shaken you know it's just there's only kind of so much you can do on your own and like i had done so much and then i'm like oh oh you know i i've only done this much and you know it's it's you, you burn yourself out and then you're left with like I, I don't know it was just a weird experience like i'd worked so hard and then i was just like it just it just it was just a whole thing you know yeah. it's just it's just the whole mental health thing when you're working like it's the same for anybody in the arts industry if you're trying to get yourself up off the ground and you're, yeah. you're working morning noon and night like there's only so long you can do that without just like completely like mentally collapsing it's very true it's very very true um even on, on my and in, in my so in my aspect of things um like a lot of my kind of mental health issues i didn't realize i was writing about them until i was like i, I write subconsciously sometimes mm. and mm. just one or two particular tracks I'll, I'll send them to you at some point Ooh. and um you're just like Jesus. That is actually about how I was feeling at that time. Yeah. You know, and I I think that's the that's the most powerful thing about music. So yeah, some people write just to make money or whatever, right? Yeah. I write stuff to get shit off my chest, you know, yeah. and might get my head straight, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's just great to have like that. There's so many different aspects of music that you can enjoy isn't it there really is well, that's it like there is first and foremost there is no shame from making music to make money i i, no. I have to fight that taboo i honestly god no there's there's no shame 
Like, there's no shame in being no. able to pay rent. You it's know? a different way. It's a different way, though. It is, yeah. it is, but just the, the cathartic element of songwriting is phenomenal. Like, I think everybody should write songs, be it even if they're bassists and drummers or, yeah. or, or just even sound like honest to God, everybody should just write songs, mm. even if they're shit. <laughs> my, my daughter's even helped me write a couple of songs. Oh, no way. What does she do? What does she do? Actually, like, she put a couple of lines in, in, in songs just to kind of you know put her stamp on one or two of her songs like you know that's lovely it's just daddy buy me a pony yeah. daddy buy me a pony oh no she she gave away her rights for some shopkins a few years ago so oh <laughs> you know but we have that kind of you know that kind of oh uh, yeah i thing. will i will buy you this pop figure if you give me the next hook for my song <laughs> and you know what's funny like like there's a particular song i have on one of my side projects and she wrote the catchiest part of the bloody song. Good for her. Which, of Good course, I'm delighted her. about. I'm delighted about. You Absolutely. Know? Um, she's learning bass at the moment, which is great. Oh, yeah. lovely. That's a transferable skill. She will yeah. be needed in every band ever. Well, here's hoping. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. And is she, is she into the metal then? She, yeah. Well, she likes a lot, a lot of music, but she loves 80s music and she loves... Ooh. She loves her queen is her favorite band. Ah, oh, brilliant! Uh, um, and then my band, of course, you know. Of but, course, uh, of course. She uh, she just loves me. She's like very like me. She likes me good music. Loves eighties. I love eighties music as well. And um, she's you know she loves uh, Abba. She's mad about Abba. Brilliant! Yeah. Yes, your daughter just has exquisite taste by the sound of it. Fair yeah. fucks to you for your parenting. Thank you. And and the great thing about that as well is she has seen Slayer three times. Sure. You up, know, she yeah, hasn't. she's she's only fourteen. <laughs> yeah. So that's absolutely brilliant. That is some extreme parenting. Like, you know, that's well, that's, how you do it. that's it. Like I mean, we like yeah, okay. She would have been brought up in a metal household. My partner's yeah. a metal fan as well, but at the same time, we do understand if. If like if she wants to discover pop music with like her friends and all that kind of stuff, so she went off and you know listened to that kind of stuff for about a week. <laughs> the Justin Bieber's of the world. Yeah. Now I have said like if she did want to ever go and see that son of a bitch, I'd go and bring her. You know. But, oh my god! You take a bullet for her, man. Yeah. Damn right, man. Because imagine saying no, you can't look at this music. Oh, you know, you, I'd just make her yeah. want to watch it even more. So that's she came back. Because, yeah, she came back in her own way. So that's fabulous. And you yeah. make a really valid point because if you, as a metalhead parent, are putting your foot down, saying, "No, you can't like pop. No, you can't like rap. Yeah. You can't do this." That's that's the exact same that parents of metalheads used to do. They're like, yeah. "No, you can't be listening to that devil worship music. No, you can't do this. No, you can't do." It's the same thing, and it, it should it should flow both ways: the respect yeah. and the the freedom to listen. I, I used to get a bit worried though. <laughs> <laughs> when she would uh -huh. sing fucking Dead Skin Mask by Slayer, like, you know? I think oh. you know the song about Ed Gain. And right, 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 like, yeah. She'd be going around singing Dance with the Dead in my dreams. So I was like, oh God, what am I doing? <laughs> Why am I doing something wrong here? And then but, then you go, you, you fast forward to like six months later and she's singing uh, The Gambler by Kenny Rogers, like, you know? Okay. <laughs> Child of Diverse Taste. Well, do you know what? Last summer when I was walking home from work, um, I saw these like group of like five or six little young girls from the flats. They were walking out of my flats, and um, they were only about like uh, between between eight and ten, between all of them. And they were there mm. like, uh, you know that song "WAP" by Cardi B. Oh. They're like, I want you to park that big Mack truck right in me little garage. And I'm like, no, 
No, thank you. I hate and this that is shit. them just walking out in the street, and I'm like, no, yeah, no, like seriously, like I, I, oh, it's yes, disgusting. Cardi B isn't saying anything that men in rap haven't been saying about women for donkey's mm. years, so she can go ahead and sing that. But there's always this weird thing where it's like, when you hear little kids singing it, like, oh, it's it's yeah. the parents. It all comes down to the parents. Like it, it is parental control because grown women like Cardi B can write what about whatever that fuck they yeah. want, but it's up to the parents, and it it's that. So look, be glad your daughter's only singing about a guy, and like she could be telling a bunch of strangers on the street to park their big back truck right in her little. No. Yeah, well, that's it's not sad. That, Let's it's get sad. that out of my head there, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it's awful. No, it's awful. Uh, <laughs> so, you do spoken word as well, don't you? That, that's yeah. also part of the. I see you brought an album out this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, that was my way of trying to get back into music, you know what I mean? Uh, mm. Without kind of committing to getting back into music. Yeah. Because like, um, I've been doing the podcasting for the last few years and even uh, back when I was in full Venus de Vilo mode, um, I do, I do a lot of comic books pertaining to the songs and albums and usually any albums um, that would be released, they'd be released with um, a comic book awesome. attached or there'd be lots of artwork, hand-drawn lyrics and stuff like that. So it was always very visual always very visual and um, so, great package yeah the whole package like there was everything it was a whole brand it was a whole mm. franchise you know there wasn't just you know it, it wasn't just oh i sing songs there was always like okay well, i sing but i do the art as well mm. and there's this and there was the whole guy it was like the whole kind of you know elvira vampire thing you don't it, it, it's everything in the kind of the one go yeah um and i used to feel a bit schizophrenic with that i'm like oh my god why can't i settle to one thing but then i think the <laughs> the more i see nowadays you have to be able to do everything you have to have a podcast if you're doing a thing you have to do this you have to do that like you don't have mm. to but it, it, it helps everybody kind of, it does it seems like everybody kind of does a bit of everything yeah nowadays so um through the podcasting i was felt confident enough to record uh, my first spoken fully spoken word album because i've done small poetry albums and stuff like that before yeah. but spoken word which came out in march that was kind of the first time where i'd had 100 percent control of the production and everything and now it's very drag and drop spooky saw effects while i speak and there's <laughs> like you know i discovered the uh echoey church reverb filter you know so a lot <laughs> of the tracks have that so look everyone loves first that. effort that's it. it i feel like it's still in keeping with the kind of the venus de Vilo, um well very much so i think i like i was checking it out there uh, over the last couple of days and it, it's yeah it's still very much in the venus de Vilo multiverse we'll say universe whatever. yes that's what i like to think of it as yeah, absolutely it, it's, it, yeah and a lot of the the poetry from that is just songs i could never finish so yeah. or that i had the idea for and i'm like well look let's just you know I don't want I don't want them to go to waste because I hate mm. when you come up with good ideas and it just never comes to fruition. So I was like, let well look, do these need to be a full song? Maybe things are, are fine as a few lines with a, with an ambient soundtrack behind it. Yeah. So yeah, so I think yeah. there's more I think there's more scope for that approach these days. It's more yeah. there's more of a a captivated a captivated yeah, audience yeah, to, yeah. to to listen to that kind of stuff and appreciate it more, I think. I think so, yeah, with the advent of podcasts and how people kind of, I think people almost prefer to listen to people speaking and saying words rather than, yeah. than, than singing them or just music. So I, I think it was the right time because I'd done, like I said, a few poetry albums before and they oh, they were recorded onto the mic option of my little MP3 player and then just <laughs> thrown up onto Bandcamp. Give me a tenor. Here's a picture. Do you know what Deadly. I mean? Like it was, that, that's how it was done. Everything was done like really low budget. But I feel like 
not every like yeah okay ideally i'd love like 50 grand to go into a big studio and do a whole huge production in an orchestra <laughs> and, and people behind a desk going like mixing mixing but like at the end of the day um fucking rock and roll man fucking punk you know yes that's what it is this is the song it doesn't need like the whole point of it is is especially with the venus de Vilo stuff because venus de Vilo, as a character is like an insane mental patient who's escaped from her from her confinement and is now wreaking havoc on the lives of those she once knew she's not going to produce a fully mixed and immaculate album is she she's going to produce something that was partially recorded in a bathroom and partially recorded in a in 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 a you know alley and gonna mash them together you know what i mean it's it's yeah. a whole it's a whole concept because with, with me and particularly with venus philo it's never just been about releasing music and releasing songs it's it's, it's always been about the concept and the idea and and it's yeah. crazy she's crazy what it's great it's great that you were able to have that separation from yourself and oh, you, have to. you can with something like that yeah, yeah you have to it's Absolutely. so heavy and you can like i mean you can basically talk or sing about whatever the fuck you want like and then park <laughs> it there and then be yourself then like you know which is exactly the same as that which is really funny because everybody's like oh i love your character and i'm hmm, yeah my character it's me but okay yeah <laughs> but then no there there is i feel like yeah but it, it there's a kind of a confidence that kind of comes at venus that i've definitely over the years tried to adapt more yeah. to my life because because like like you know what mental health issues or confidence issues or anxiety or anything like that it's yeah. like if i'm able to like roll around on a stage with a bunch of semi-naked women covered in fake blood and we're all screaming and i'm there with a guitar beating it off the side of an amp while someone pours that's a win-win in my book notes. i know like if i'm able to do that but then i'm not able to like stand up for myself or ask for something or 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 have trouble approaching guys or something like that then i'm like yeah. no come on there's a disconnect somewhere how come i could do that but i can't do that let's start transferring some of that to, to you know daily life yeah maybe not all of it <laughs> some of it <laughs> some of it some of the more positive confidence attributes. <laughs> um so this is going to sound like a strange question uh has venus the the voila the the character had a really bad romantic past <laughs> oh yeah, yeah 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 okay so basically right so i have this like comic book series called crazy for you right so originally um i have a song on my second album till death do us party uh, it's called crazy for you and it's actually funny because i only wrote that song on a whim uh kind of forced myself to write it as a songwriting exercise a couple of days before my birthday i think in 2012 or 2013 didn't want to write it ends up becoming like my keystone song for like and that's one of my favorite songs of yours as well by the way i know oh thank you i know it's <laughs> just one it. of those ones that kind of it's one of those things it's living proof that even if you don't want to write you should just sometimes write but um i was filming a music video um for that uh with helgard who used to manage shocktopus and he was like oh if you any other ways that you can think of that we can like promote this and i'm like oh my god what about a comic book so i wrote a comic book based on the backstory of uh well the imaginary fictitious story yeah about yeah crazy for you for anybody to, who doesn't know crazy for you is about um basically a person who breaks into someone's house who they've been having an imaginary relationship with they're completely crazy kill the person and eat them or eat their significant other and feed it to them so it's it's just the whole kind of crazy like imagine like i don't know like uh 
What's a film called with freaking Michael Douglas and Glenn Close? Oh, and, uh, and, Fatal uh, Attraction. Fatal Attraction. So it's basically like that, but with more Hannibal Lecter kind of edible qualities. Yeah. So that kind of became a comic book. And I drew a whole comic book about like Venus de Milo, like as like a little comic book character, like in love with Vlad Valentine. And she likes <laughs> escapes from the mental asylum and goes and kills his girlfriend and decapitates her. And like, uh, and, like feeds her like the dead woman too, yeah. to this this other fictitious character. So that's that's kind of it. Like it, it's just the whole point of thing is she's completely unrequited, but she's not gonna like sit there and take it. She's gonna get like she's gonna take really grotesque action. <laughs> She'll it, get it what just, she wants by any means. She gets what she wants. Yeah, you don't have to. You just have to be there. You don't have to be alive. Like a ride oh. is a ride. Like <laughs> it sounds to me like Venus still has a lot more to say. That's what I think. Oh yeah, no, definitely. And there was a there was a sequel to Crazy for You. There was Crazy for You too, the sequel. And I have been trying to write the third one for years. Oh. It's just been a time issue, but I want to do it like a big proper one. And I even went, oh, oh there's a whole thing. Like I, I went, I, I did about 20 comic plus comic books uh, in a very short space of time. And uh, I'd love to keep doing that. It's just, it's just work, life, yeah. adulting. Like it's, it's literally, there's just not enough hours in the day. It does. It you know? gets in the way, doesn't it? At times, uh, life. I mean, not, not the create, not your creative. Oh my god! Uh, that but, damn creativity! I it, wish I wasn't such a genius. <laughs> cut it off! Cut it off at the neck. <laughs> so, um, I know as well you're very interested in Japan and Japanese culture and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, the horror side. <laughs> talk to me about that brief. Don't tell me too much though, because I do want no, you no, to no, come. No. no, no, I want you to come out to the on the slab. In a, in a little while as well to educate me on all that <laughs> okay well long story short as, as we've already established i'm an absolute horror whore love mm. horror of every capacity but when you have read as much horror as i have be it comic books novels novellas and seen as many horror movies and listened to as many horror radio plays and when you've absorbed as much horror as me a lot of it starts to get very savvy mm. and very boring so british and american horror I, I, while I love and have huge respect for, I just wanted something more. And then I discovered the Japanese horror from both a cinematic point of view and novels, eh, not great, but the movies and even just the urban legends and the folklore, it was just like a whole new, it's like, if you're, if you're like, oh, I might try smoking a cigarette and then before you know it, you're shooting heroin, you know, <laughs> I'm not saying you are, but you know, <laughs> nice way to put it. Kinda, I know, yeah, it was literally just like I saw the grudge once and I didn't look back and I, I know a lot of people have a lot of issue with the grudge because it's oh it's not, it's not that scary. Look, in two thousand in two thousand it was okay. Yeah. It it was and I it just it was a whole gateway for me. So the whole Japanese thing, I just find them a bit scarier than some of the more westernized horror. Mm. Um I think their ghosts are more aggressive. The Japanese don't really believe in happy endings in movies, which is something I've always, always taken umbrage an issue with myself in movies, because that is not what happens with life. There are no happy endings in life. Yeah. You just choose how you die. Very and true. Um, that's what I loved about Japanese horror, the fact that they were so brave, so raw, and so extreme mm. oh i love my extreme horror but the japanese just take that up a notch but there's also this absolutely bizarre comedy to it as well it's like you know per almost perverse like it's like there'll be horrible things but then the, it, there'll be touches of comedy it's just it's just <laughs> done really well 
it's yeah. just done really well and i just find it it's very frightening and i don't know whether i'm like a reincarnated japanese person from another Possibly. life or, something, or whether i just ha it just happens to resonate with me because it's darker than yeah some of the other horror out there and that's just me so i don't know but the, anyway that's always been an influence on my music as well the younger everything I do. Uh, the younger japanese people seem to do seem to have a, a voracious appetite for the dark and the the yeah. strange don't they yeah that's it like it's it, everything is very weird to come out of there and i don't and i think a lot of it is most likely just rooted in their folk history and their own history because you know they were completely um cut off from all western influence for several hundred years there mm. um until like matthew um commodore perry in 18 something or yeah 18 something kind of forced them to open their borders to the rest of the world so there were several years where they were completely untouched by western hands untouched by christianity and they could completely come up with their own ideas for things and their own way of thinking and their own way of doing things and i think that's kind of stayed to this day even with their westernization and i think that's had a huge influence on on their outputs in pop culture mm. and, and creative mediums and as well as that, I think, um, you know, the way you were saying, like their history and yeah. uh, their folklore, a lot of European folklore is kind of copied to a point. Whereas from what I do know of Japanese folklore, it's very, very, very original. Yeah, you know, it, it's different. Yeah. And I think you, ha you have to have an appreciation for that in some form or another, you know, mm -hmm. now in terms of the horror stuff i wouldn't be as overly familiar with it but that's that's just the way i have been you know yeah. um but i from what the way you're describing it to me i should like it because i love dark horror i love <laughs> i love when there's no happy endings i yeah. love atmosphere right? and Ooh. atmosphere is my favorite word when it comes to describing my favorite horror films you know yeah they don't have to be the biggest films in the world even though i have got the big fellas on my arm but like you know one of my favorite films is ravenous do you know ravenous Which one is that? Which one it's is that? uh guy ritchie and uh robert carlyle and it's about cannibalism oh yeah jesus i haven't seen that in donkey's years yeah that's that, very good yeah but like that didn't it wasn't again it didn't get, get huge it actually lost money do you know what i mean but that doesn't yeah. mean anything to me i mean i yeah. just love that film and I've watched it all the time. Yeah. And in terms of Japanese, I, I, I do. You need to send me a list of, of oh films my God, to watch. Yeah, I will. I'll give you. I'll give you like the Venus de Vilo that beginner's guide yes. to J horror because um, like a lot of it is really weird. A lot of it is crap. Um, some of my favorite Japanese horror movies are absolute shit. Like they're utter <laughs> shit, and you're watching them on a tiny phone screen. Um, mm. on YouTube with really bad subtitles Espanol, also on <laughs> lazy. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's weird. It's, I think it really has to depend, but I think it, it's almost like you're watching around the movie. You're watching what's not happening in the movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and just, just to say what you were saying about atmosphere and the Blair Witch is one of my favorite movies of all time. And I, love I know it. people are like, that's, that's just four people with a camera in the forest and nothing happens. And I'm like, that's what's fucking scary, man. I, you can, I, I, I really do feel you can only watch that film once, you know? Well, I watch it like every summer. Me and my mom yeah. watch it every summer. As a thing. I still remember it as clear as that. And I, I purposely won't watch it again because I experienced, had such a good experience watching it, yeah. believe it or not. Yeah, no, I do, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. 
and I've, I, I'll, I'll t- and I've a story to tell you about that film actually but I'm not going to tell you now because it'll be, oh, okay. we'll be here all night on the, on the good, horror podcast on the horror yeah podcast. exactly exactly so um we're going to talk about your upcoming track on a shiree mm-hmm. um absolutely that's the very one <laughs> that song has been in my fucking head for the last three weeks good that that was my plan yes <laughs> that was the intention mission accomplished yes tell me i know i know we've done the documentary and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. but let's you know may, okay. not everyone may have to watch the documentary so let's give a little bit of an insight into how you got involved in in all early metal project and your song and who's with you and all that kind okay. of stuff so pictured it's march 2021 everyone is fed up from the fucking lockdown that won't mm-hmm. end um i had just released spoken word i was preparing to work with an old musician friend of mine david mooney on an upcoming album of mine that's coming out on october it's like spoken word but more advanced and more heavier it's called cool. cadaverotica oh, nice. again, i know yeah and it is also um songs that i had never finished or could never put music to dave's put music to them or ambient soundtracks to it so that's what that is so we're there working away on that and then the good man himself dara comes along and says listen um do you want to do a few vocals or something like on this project thing i'm getting together and i'm like oh yeah okay grand um actually no that's not though that was the second thing he said so the first thing he said was yeah listen i'm doing this metal collab he said because he's he's collaborating on the on the album with me cadaverotica as well he's supplied um a backing track that i have put vocals to and i rap on it and um i know yeah and um he said listen you're doing a metal collaboration thing in october or something aren't you i'm like well it's not really it's kind of more just me and a few other different musicians kind of making spooky sounds together and doing weird things but yeah i am he's like do you want to contribute a track for that for my project and i'm like yeah okay and then he's like do you want to do a few vocals or something i'll put you into the group and i'm like oh yeah that's fine i'll never hear from that again (laughs) so then i just say to dave i like listen um I've just been asked if I want to contribute one of the tracks in the album we're working on for October to, to some project thing that like Dara's working on. Will we just make one of the tracks a bit heavier and I'll send that on? He's like, yeah, grand. Then I get added to the group and then I see the sheer volume of people involved, the absolute fucking level of effort that's gone into it already. Cause I came into the project about, I think about a week or so yeah. after it had already been set up. So there's about nearly like nearly 150 people in that group. Yeah. they're all teaming up with bands there's so much more backstory to it because i just thought because you know the way people like to collaborate and dara loves collaborating and other people just i just thought it was like you know you're hopping on a track or something mm. i had absolutely no idea the, the uh, sheer gravity of the situation do you know what i mean i had no idea the the the, the, the mission like the organizational skills like yeah. i i i pride myself on being good with an excel sheet but jesus christ like <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You, you saw that Excel sheet with Excel all the positions on it. Excel is his middle name. <laughs> yeah, literally. So I was like, I cannot be in, in good conscience. I cannot be on this project and just throw one of my shitty little fucking spoken word tracks with Dave doing a bit of chug, chug, chug over it onto this. I said, if everybody else is making the effort to go grassroots and start from scratch and reach out and network and mingle and meet new people and get out of their comfort zone. Cause I was afraid to do that. Cause like, like I said, I, I've been in and out of the Irish metal community for like over 10 years. Um, and yeah. 
some of it positive, some of it not positive. That's the same for everyone. So I was very jaded and I'm like, oh God, Irish metal musicians. And like I said in the documentary, and I'll say it again, and I'll keep saying it, this, this project has completely turned me around on Irish metal musicians. It's all, like I said, like literally, because uh, cause just in my personal, like I said, my past previous experiences, yeah. I obviously just hadn't met the right people. Because like I lazy, inconsistent fucking time wasters in the past. Yeah. These people involved in Ash Ivy, they are not. Oh my God, they are not. I, they're some of the most creative, hardworking fucking beasts I think I've ever, and, like, and in just six months, I've made more connections yeah. and, and friends that I, I, honest God, that I have done in 10 years of just gigging around and stuff. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and it's, it's, it's phenomenal. So I said to Dave, I said, yeah, listen, look, I, I can't, we can't just submit one of our, our shitty little tracks don't get me wrong everybody buy the album on Spotify <laughs> and stream it like but you know what i mean like it, it's it, there's a difference between a v2v track which is a low budget no budget um weird kind of experimental avant-garde mm. piece of uh concept art rather than a really fucking well polished track so i just said to dave i said here look um what if we actually wrote a song for it and he was like yeah okay grand and then I'm looking at the at the conversations in the chat. I'm looking at the Excel sheets. I'm looking at the kind of things people are doing. And I'm like, Jesus, there's a lot of testosterone on this album. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot like really good, proper heavy music, but I was like, there's there's too much testosterone in this. And I'm like, Dave, um, yeah, have you, uh, there's like this time, you know, the kind of music where it's like classical music, but it's metal. And I like, I could not think of the word of it at all. Like for the life of it, it's like, you know, it's kind of like Nightwish, but better. And then like Dave just sends me back this voice app and he's like so fucking excited. Like he's like, I love symphonic metal. This is like my dream to do symphonic metal. I need to, I need to think I've like got like thousands of demos and stuff. And he was like really excited. I'm like, okay, well let's, let's, let's do a symphonic metal track then. And he like just sent me, he's like, um, you know, I'll send you on like something and you can have a listen to it and you can tell me if you like it or not. And you know when your face gets melted when you open up a, like a track and you're like, okay, well, what's this going to be? Is this going to be home home? And then you're like, oh, <laughs> that's literally what it was like. And it's so funny because um, shortly after uh, Dave sent me that and I'm like, okay, okay, we're going to be working on this symphonic metal song. Dara actually added me onto the group uh, Excel sheet as spooky metal, Venus to Milo, yeah. spooky metal. And I was like, ah, oh, that's fine. I'll just leave that there. But then this chap um, sends me a message, Michael Bugad Bugadzki. He's It's a Polish name, so please forgive me. Yeah. I haven't drunk my windowline, so I can't pronounce it properly. <laughs> but Mike Mike gets in touch with me and he's like, oh, hi, I just saw um, on the Excel sheet uh, that you're doing spooky metal. What's that about? And I'm like, oh, listen, sorry, it's not actually spooky metal. Just the organizer put that on before my, my project was solidified or anything. It's actually a symphonic metal project. Now you're more than welcome to it. He's like, oh, yeah, so like I'm a symphonic metal drummer. And I'm like, get in my group, get in my group, get in my Result. group, get in my group. It's like, you know, when Homer um, Homer from The Simpsons is out and about and he finds like the expired medicines, wire hangers and newspapers on the side yeah. of the street. He's like, get these into the house. I'm like, get into my van. <laughs> so then it, it was the three of us. And it was just, it was just the right, like I said, the right people at the right time. And it was so funny because I, I remember how excited I was when I when I when I heard Dave's first demo of the song that would ultimately I think it was originally his his version was called Plague of Worlds, uh, and it was a it's now called Oiwa Monogatari, and it's so funny because because once they started putting live instruments on it and they start I it was like oh between Dave and and Mike like mixing it and then sending it back and then the feedback and the back and forth it it was it each version they sent just got better and better. And yeah. I'm like, I can't believe that, like, because it was so strong to begin with. I was like, shut up, it's unreal. 
It's absolutely, I mean, I personally wouldn't have been into symphonic metal per se. And I just. Me neither, I, not really. Yeah. I'd associate <laughs> it with Nightwish and all that kind of shit. But this yeah. has something different to it. It That's has a bite. It has a mm-hmm. bite. And there's. I must I must commend you on your vocals. Your vocals are absolutely class on the track. Absol- it's hilarious because that's not even me good. No, oh, excuse <laughs> me. They're awful. They're <laughs> awful. I had to record them myself um, down in Troubadour Studios with my did this exact setup, a Rode podcast mic, and this little feckin' laptop here. Me mm. with Audacity open in front of me, terrified for my life that something was going to stop recording and clipping clipping everywhere and i'm like i'm so sorry just take them if you want me to go kill myself i will it's fine <laughs> and they're like no 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 don't even worry about no like to be fair dave and mike are absolutely fantastic for the support because i'd recorded podcasts and i'd done like uh spoken word and stuff so i had mm. some audio recording experience but for singing it's a whole different ball game big time whole different yeah. ball game and it, so um it was great and it was really weird to be singing again after like not singing for like four years or something yeah. and it was really cool and it's funny because um i was actually gonna do um an instagram video about this but the song went through so many per- permutations before it became oewa because like originally um because the chorus that dave sent was so good because it's and i'm like that is such a really good universal thing because it's like syllable syllable here's some more syllables you know what i mean it's like three three five in the syllables and i'm like that's a really good chant so it went from dracula dracula battery battery and then then cthulhu and then for a while i didn't know what the story was but it was going to be called bury me bury me bury me in red and i don't know why you know what i mean and then but i knew that in the wrong hands that that song good as it was musically it 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 could it could kind of go out with a whimper and not a bang because yeah. yeah. i one of the key things i'm really as a songwriter really um gay for is um story there has to be a story to a song there's so many amazing phenomenal metal songs out there world-class musicianship phenomenal structure timing but the lyrics are so lame and yeah. there's no real story and i don't care what bullshit people are saying about it's from the heart yeah but your heart is boring <laughs> the audience do you know what i mean a brown like heart. It, it's yeah it's like a combination of you have to get the catharsis out you have to get that feeling out you have to give the audience something you can relate to but you also have to entertain the audience and that's one of the things i love about metal like one of the best gigs i ever went to was kiss like oh, they put on a show sad, I love kiss. you know what i mean i went through a big phase of them don't really like them anymore because they're a bit lame now that i mean no i'm a cool grown-up but yeah. phenomenal do you know you have that and alice Co- oh my god so much love in my heart for alice cooper he puts on a show yeah. every song is a story like alice cooper was in absolutely one billion trillion percent integral in the, in the forming of um i wouldn't have guessed <laughs> i mean i know so i love uh my favorite alice cooper album is welcome to my nightmare so yeah that just so epitomizes shock rock or whatever you want to call it like, that's you know? it it's, and it's all a story and it's all a show you know what i mean and it's yeah. all about showing the light and shade but i knew that with this song if i pick i knew it i knew what a chorus like that with the do 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 i knew i had to pick a character that was worthy of this chorus and i like like i just told you i racked my brains i came yeah. up with every cthulhu for a long time it's gonna be cthulhu cthulhu do you know what I mean? like it, i tried so hard to come up with the right person and because i'm so involved 
in in the whole Japanese horror thing and because I write for a Japanese J-horror um, fan site, The Array, there was just a lot of it. I'm, I'm, I'm exposed to a lot of things and I was really thinking outside the box and um, on my podcast, the Straight Outta Kanto podcast radio show, I remember the show I did last year about, um, I was just chatting with this other um, girl who's like a professional academic Japanologist and she was like, oh yeah, one of my favorite like Japanese ghost stories is about uh, this woman called Oiwa who uh, she's like betrayed and killed by her husband but then she comes back from the dead and like uh, kills his wife kills him and but like in a really horrible way like yeah. it's a very very long story and it's brutal and uh, but at the crux of it I was like ah, that sounds like my crazy for you song <laughs> <laughs> that's such a Venus Divino thing to do because uh, Oiwa basically dies a horrible slow poisoned death she becomes this grotesque horrible thing she's all being poisoned and stuff and then she dies and then the husband goes to marry uh, this new bitch right uh, and when he lifts up her bridal veil the face is oh he was and he decapitates her but then it turns out he just decapitated his wife. wife so then he goes into her father and his father-in-law's room and he's like i just killed your daughter oh my god what do i do but instead of the father-in-law behind the desk it's oh so he chops off her head it just it just keeps he just keeps <laughs> on chopping off people's heads thinking it's Oiwa and it's not and she torments him to madness and through her she's basically the original Kayako from the grudge through her grudge she never lets him go she drives him mad and I'm like that is such a fucking Venus de Vilo like thing yeah. to do I've spent like the last 10 15 years of my career writing songs about that shit and I'm like what if we go at Oiwa and, <laughs> and with the exception of like me I had I listened through hours and hours of audio of how the hell you actually pronounce the name Oiwa, Oiwa, Oiwa. I don't know. I pronounce it several different ways in the song and when I talk about it. And based on what I've heard, all of them seem to be acceptable. I so. think so. But yeah, I've done, from my little bit of research, I think the way you're pronouncing it is fine. It is. It seems to be like because there no no one uh, YouTube video or movie. And um, there's actually a really good Takashi Miike movie called um, "Over Your Dead Body." Actually based on it and it's interesting as well because this is not actually an obscure random japanese thing um this, the legend of oiwa is actually the single something called a uh, nihon sandai kaiden which means the big three japanese ghosts and she is number one wow so it, it it'd be like our banshee she'd be like our banshee do you know what hmm. i mean kind yeah. of except she doesn't have a comb because she has no yeah. hair because it fell out she was and she's not singing but that, that's kind of how that happened well. no she's not so it just i just loved the i loved the story i loved the betrayal because it was horrific because uh women being fucked over by men historically is is just an in, a topic of interest of mine and um, just something I, I i'm interested in and pay attention to and um you know it, it, and just the repercussions but then when you see them getting revenge even from beyond the grave i think it's wonderful so <laughs> it's like a like it's like a final fuck that's you how film. that came about and it, it is it's it's marvelous it's like glenn close getting up in the shower after she's been stabbed <laughs> or whatever bar shot by michael douglas and then you think oh she's gonna do it in this year that was a japanese movie she would have just killed him she would have kept going she wouldn't have gracefully yeah. died falling down <laughs> the wall you know so um but it was a bit of a gamble because with oiwa monogatari it's like there, there was kind of so much i thought kind of going against just because it was me and because it was different and because mm. it was me being different and it was like a new it was stepping outside my comfort like because um dave and michael while well, worked hard and i'm sure they did have challenges with this project um even though it seemed to work really well so wow no complaints but i it, they symphonic metal is kind of their thing being a metal band is their thing right. this is my first time being in a proper kind of 
band and my first time providing vocals for a song that I hadn't written myself because normally I'd you know acoustic guitar and yeah. vocals Ed Sheeran it you know what I mean that's what I do so it was Dead it Sheeran was a, Dead Sheeran oh you can have that one I'm taking it thank you um, <laughs> it, it was a weird one it was hard because it was my first time in so long singing vocals for a song that kind of wasn't my own if you get me and, yeah. and even just can I sing in a non-Venus Devilo style how do I keep Venus Devilo but do something different and I actually think we managed to achieve that very much that so was the, that was that was so important keeping what was authentically Venus Devilo but being able to elevate it and progress and it was a very scary time for me because um just because of just the 10 years of me doing one thing then suddenly doing something yeah. different and being afraid of what if i can only do that what if i'm not you know a talented enough musician singer songwriter and team leader without having the crux of oh it's okay if i sound shit that's my thing <laughs> do you know what i mean like the result i won't lie i did use that as as, as a crutch for a lot of things oh, i don't need to rehearse it's fine if i fuck up i'll just like say that part of the show would you know that way so yeah. it, it, it was hard to kind of step up to the big boys but, but I, you did I, I i think we did it and i'll be like 100 percent honest like i did not um enter into this project to get anything less than what we have achieved like i'll be very honest because i was it kind of almost felt like a last chance for me because like i'm in my 30s now i turned 30 in lockdown it was really horrible Oh. Um, <laughs> just 30 in a lockdown oh, I know I know but still you know mm. uh, when you're a woman it's a little different and yeah, um, it, it, it was hard and you know when you're like okay well I haven't done music for a few years can I still do it should I still do it do I still want what I wanted back then and then to do a, do a project like this I was like right well you can either you know not do it or do it there's there's going to be no in between here if you because i think if i'd if i'd gone in and everybody's like that shit get out i would have been like okay grand but if i'd gone <laughs> in and gotten like a meh reaction because a reaction is better than no reaction whether it's good yeah, or bad if, 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 if someone had gone in yeah it's fine yeah it's all right yeah no that's a good song oh yeah that's nice <laughs> like you know that that would kill me way more than fuck off your shit because yeah. i'm used to that i get that i'm like yeah well you are too and then i'll just keep singing you know <laughs> so it's it's a weird one so i, I honest to god i i went in with the intention to i didn't think we could do it but open some ears i didn't think i could and but we did and i'm just really yeah. glad and i know everybody's really happy but ultimately it is what the audience thinks on september 10th exactly september 10th when the single comes out it, it is yeah. what the audience think it's 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 not about me or anyone else it is what what the fa what the fans think yes well i uh not not that people care what i think i do think i care carl i care we care a lot uh, <laughs> <laughs> i think i think people are gonna love the song you know because it's something different and it's something fresh and it's the most diverse track on the album as well so Ooh, wow know. that's um that's certainly praise thank you very much for saying yeah. that no i do appreciate that it, it's phenomenal and it's lovely and like i said it's, it's been so good because because when, when you have your up and down ups and downs and um, when you lose confidence in yourself and then realize that you had no reason to lose confidence you know yeah it, it, it's nice that's it good to nice. hear that is good to hear um, and it, it's i'm not the only person involved in this project who said that like the absolute overwhelming testimonials and stories from other members of um this project is yeah. who say that this project was so important to them 
and really kind of save them and took them out of some really dark places and stuff, especially in a time where self included, yeah. Yeah, you know, where, where the Irish industry has been desecrated and decimated and demolished yeah. and no one cares but us. So, you know, but again, that all comes back to the DIY rock and roll spirit of just if you if you build it, they will come. Yeah. If you want if you want to do something, you will do it. You will make it happen. You know, well, that's, I mean, that's what it comes down to. Let's be honest, we're 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 actually part of history now. In, the, in, in this country uh, we're doing something that hasn't ever been done before an album made by an, an actual country essentially <laughs> yeah you right. know and it, it's so it's such a it's such a pride i'm so proud to be part of that kind of process yeah process, you know and um like that like you said earlier on like you've made so many new friends and connections and so avoid you know we all have and like that's what yeah. i love there is a real kind of togetherness feeling if you know what i mean yeah. and it's all like. yeah positivity and yeah. it's the way it's it's this is the way irish metal should have been all along yeah and that's kind of what dara and myself used to always talk about and now it's it's i suppose it's coming to fruition now and yeah we're just gonna unleash that baby and yeah on the world and, and see how it goes that's it and i don't think people are going to want to change that i don't think people are going to want to go back to, no. to you know maybe like because i think a lot of it is just like like with the whole element of the zoom and the online digital element it did bring people together in a way who might never have ever been in the same room together yeah. do you know what i mean yeah and, and at gigs you know it's easy after gigs you know all go off with your friends and have a few drinks you know it's it just there 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 aren't always networking opportunities there aren't always mingling opportunities and irish people are very reticent about it i know myself yeah. i'm like i just can't network i can't mingle i can't do it i'm dreadful no. I feel like for everybody involved in the project now, regardless, forever after, this is something we've all done, and this is the constant icebreaker we will forever have. Absolutely, you know, th this is it. Like, and it's just, it's unreal. And I never thought I'd ever live today, live to see the day where I'm in involved in something like this. I just never thought it would happen. And here we are. <laughs> are you going to, without telling me on, are you going to stay creating music in a band sense? from here on you mean with my current ashari project team yeah yeah we're in conversation i think okay. everybody i think look every, i think we all agreed um that that the track was a success and it was really like obviously a lot of hard work went into it but the process was actually relatively easy you know mm. sending stuff back and forth and you know we all seem to gel really well together so i think i think the will is there i think we'd all like to because i think we all had a, a positive experience with it we I think we'd all like to. It's all something in an area that we'd um because because Oyo on a guitar is exactly the kind of music I wanted to make when I was eight years old and all Excellent. the way through. It's the kind of stuff I want to do. So I'm like, I don't want to let it go. Damn I'm it. gonna be that one person that doesn't want to leave school when it's time <laughs> over. I'm gonna cling to the railings now. No, do you know what I mean? Like I I just I just I I would love to go forward, but like the guys are in other bands. Yeah. Um, I I have a lot of commitments in the Venus of Vital stuff, so it's just it's just whether or not like I'm not going to say we are or we aren't. I'd love to think we will go ahead and at least make even if we don't do a formal band, at least do a few more tracks. Um, but look, definitely here's hoping. But it is literally a, a, a kind of a time will tell thing, and if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. It, like I think we're all yeah. it's just a coordination thing and um, just a life coordination thing because yeah. you know that's it. 
It does. Um, I'm going to let you go in a second. But before I do, I'm going to ask you, have you heard of two particular bands, okay? Have you ever heard, I'm assuming you've heard of this band, but I want to ask anyway. Have you heard of Tiger Lilies? Yeah, I don't think I know them. I've heard the name. Okay, there's your band to check out. Ooh, okay. I can't believe I got a band that you, I'm doing this every every podcast now. I'm trying to get a, <laughs> trying to figure out a band who my guests may not have heard before or may oh, have heard lovely. of them and not listened to them. I think they'd be right down your alleyway. Okay, I will add them to my list. Who are they? Yeah, Tiger Lilies. They're a three piece from England, and it's all kind of vaudeville, Ooh. carny music. It's very very Ooh. strange, and they use a lot of old instruments Ooh. and uh, the singer has yeah. The singer has a, a fantastic voice and it's a very high kind of high pitched they have written plays and everything like so uh, yeah i think i think you're gonna like them oh That's my god one band and then the second band is a metal band called macarb have you ever heard of them no yeah check them out they sing all about serial killers and all that kind of stuff and like they have a full album called uh, about jeffrey Dahmer for example. Oh, lovely. Um, but like a lot of some of their stuff sounds like nursery rhymes as well. So that's cool. Yeah. Check them out as well. I can't believe I got oh, two yeah. on you there. That's dead. I got two on me there. I'm going to get one on you now. I'm going to get on. a metal band on you now. No one has ever heard of this. And I've sent this around to some like some of the big black metal fans around Ireland. I've sent the cover of this album to. Can I reach it from here? Can I reach it from here? Right. There's the band. Where is it? Where is it? Should be there. Oh, where's it gone? Oh, yeah. Hang on. Right. Bear with me a second, right? Yeah. I'm going to get you an album that not literally, no, because, right, it's a black metal band. I don't know anything about them, but it's one of the <laughs> best albums I've ever heard in my entire life. I don't know what you're seeing right now, but I hope you're enjoying the close-up of my pajamas. Absolutely, absolutely. Right. You ever heard of Vampire? No. No. All their, they even have a song about the grudge. And okay. they are like one of the best black metal bands I've ever heard. And all their songs are just about horror. Cool. I, I, yeah, I, rec- I don't know if you can see it there. Vampire. I found Vampire. The band is called Vampire. The album is called Vampire. This is the only picture of them that is in there. And there's absolutely no information. And when I try and type <laughs> it into, I'll send you a proper screenshot later. Yeah. And when I try to find out information on them online, because it is such a generic name. Yeah. Where, do you know where they're from no i i definitely scandinavia i'd say norway or sweden based on the okay. names okay. so i that's your mission now i that's need to check your that missions out. now you do there you will not be sorry they're such a good black metal band cool. but all their songs are like about horror so it's amazing well we need to listen to those recommendations and convene and tell each other what we thought of them yeah. <laughs> absolutely yeah. Vampire, I need to check. And what's the name of the album? Vampire. And is it is it I-R-E or Y-R-E? I-R-E. And it, this album is from 2013 at Svenska Gramfonstuden. So Svenska, I'd say that's Swedish. Swedish, yeah. Recorded Swedish. at Studio Cobra, yeah. Oh yeah, I can't tell what these names are. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll find, I'll figure that out. There I'll... we go. Martin Gustafsson. Oh no, but that's not him. Yeah, they don't have any. The Hand of Doom was on vocals anyway. Ooh, the Hand of Doom. 
Yeah, guitars was black string, command was bass guitar, and rat wing was battery. I'm assuming that means drums. Yeah, it sounds like it. <laughs> I'm definitely going to check them out. <laughs> I know, right? So there um, you go. Fantastic. Well, look, we will wrap up now. It has been an absolute pleasure to chat to you. And um, like, I really do think you are the diamond in our roof at the moment. I really do. And I know, seriously, I mean, <laughs> I just, I can't wait for people to, obviously, I can't wait for people to hear everything on that we're going to release for these three albums, but I cannot wait for people to hear this song, you know, and it's like, you wouldn't believe how, how much myself and the, the committee love this fucking song, you know? Aww. So, um, I, I, I know, I know. I just can't wait for people to actually discover you, you know, and <laughs> that frightens me. Nah, you, you've all of, you've all of us behind you. Don't worry. <laughs> that frightens me even more. Get away. What do you do behind me? Mm -hmm. um, Might be dinner first. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, Venus the Voilo, and I'm going to give you your real name, Lisa Harris. Thank you so much for coming out to King Rose Court tonight. It's been an absolute pleasure. All right. Absolute pleasure. Thank you. And we are going to get some beers when, when we can when we can release. Oh, this one thing. trillion billion. I can't trillion, wait. Billion percent. Oh, it's going to be great. <laughs> All right, well, for now, folks, King Rose Court, we are out of here. Bye. Well, I don't just haunt on Halloween. I'm an all-year-round nightmare queen. Keep your pumpkin heads I'm searching for. My heart
on his knees to be returned. Ye old again, I say, my curse lives on beyond his day. My little fear of foe.